Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks, everybody. With me, your host, Aaron Mashbitz, a.k.a. Jackson Stone. This is episode 129 of the podcast, and we got another good one. Brooke. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited for this conversation. <laughs> okay, I'm excited too, I think. I'm very excited for this conversation. Good. You're, I think you're uh, another a guest that we've had on that is their very first podcast. It is, yeah. Very first podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> the show's really centered around basically finding people in my life mm-hmm. that are super interesting. Okay. <laughs> and cool. have, because I think everyone has a really cool story and some people are more inclined than others to share it, right? And so... I'll tell you how this came to be. Okay. Rhi and I, my girlfriend, uh-huh. who you know, were sitting in bed. She was scrolling Instagram. <laughs> and I was like watching TV or something, whatever. And your face popped up. Yeah. And you started talking about things that I'm very interested in. Mental health and all of these great things. And you just were going through it on your stories. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe something happened or this is just what was on your mind or you wanted to share. And I was like who is this human that you know? And she was like, oh, this is Brooke. We work out together. She works at Evolve. I was like, can you tell her that I need to have her on my podcast immediately? Yeah. And so here we are. Yeah, here we are. I re- that was World Mental Health Day. That's why I was talking about it. Because I don't normally talk on stories. Because I feel like, I don't know if people listen or not. And mm. I don't want to just like talk for a minute straight. But that day I was like, if there's a day to talk on Instagram... Today's the day. So that's like funny that you heard it. <laughs> well, I'm really glad that you did. Yeah. <clears throat> and you're going to talk a lot today. So. <laughs> I know. I'm going to talk for an hour straight. I'm like, it's Instagram's worst nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So I think the 60 minutes or 60 seconds. Yeah. Was yeah. yeah. That was my warm up actually. It was. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did it. I'm glad we're here. We'll get into all of that. Totally. Meat and bones of that stuff a little bit later. But I have a very important question to ask you. The theme of this podcast. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? I knew this was coming. How I was so doing? ready for this too. Um, today, I am pretty good. I say today because I feel like that question can be answered differently depending on the day, depending on the moment. And I've realized that for me, especially lately, it's fluctuated moment to moment. So today, I am pretty good. I'm feeling pretty um, peaceful, pretty like energetic I would say today had a little bit of anxiety this morning worked through that went to the gym um, but overall I'm pretty good I would say <laughs> hmm. what what happens if tomorrow when you wake up and you're not feeling okay yeah um, I would say I take I would take that in stride because again it's like I think it's just like listening to your body and listening to the signals that it gives knowing that Sometimes it might know more than you consciously, if that makes sense. So taking a little extra time, a little extra care, if that's what your body's telling you you need to do. Um, I'm a big, I guess, proponent of like, if you wake up and you're not having a good day, do what you want that day that is going to make you feel better and don't feel shame about that, right? So if I were to wake up and not be having a good day, I would kind of assess what my needs were that day um, and take care of myself in that way. Mm. Yeah. And when you when you woke up feeling anxious this morning, is that a regular occurrence? Is that something you, you journey through regularly? or And what happens when you start to feel that way? Yeah, so 
I would say it has been regular recently, but that, that hasn't been the case for my whole life. Um, so I guess that being said, it wasn't much of a surprise to wake up with anxiety, but that also means like I've kind of discovered the tools that work for me when that happens. So today it was like, wake up. Okay. Not feeling great. Feeling slightly anxious straight to the gym. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if that answered your question, but it does. Okay. But that's not a, that's not an easy process, right? Because yeah. <clears throat> when I th when I try to break down my life, I try to break it down into four fundamentals of eating, moving, sleeping, and thinking. Totally. And those thinking encompasses a lot. The other three are pretty straightforward, right? I think thinking encompasses like breathing flourishing, some gratitude, right? Some of those other areas of, of how you think well. But eating, moving, and sleeping are pretty, you know, everyone knows what those are, mm -hmm. right? And so you're, when you're feeling some sort of way, whether that be overwhelmed, frustrated, stressed, anxious, I think you can then think about, okay, what can I do based on my four fundamentals that might potentially get me out of this state of being that I'm in? Mm -hmm. But also, in those moments when we're feeling that way, we're the least likely want to do anything. Yeah. And so we got to have sort of this, this activation energy that gets us moving. Yeah. But you have to have, you have to have built sort of that habit in yourself before you get to that moment, mm -hmm. right? If you had never built up a habit of going to the gym and being interested in strength and fitness and your health and all that stuff, when you felt anxious this morning, you would have kind of just stayed in that state of being and maybe had an anxious day yeah. instead of only being anxious for a little bit getting your body moving and then feeling better throughout the day. Yeah. <clears throat> so I talk about a lot of trying to, like you said, right? Building a set of tools, a toolkit. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because life is very hard, mm -hmm. right? But it also is super amazing. And you have to have a set of protocols that you can stick to and apply into your life whenever necessary. And you want to try to workshop those mm -hmm. tools when you feel decent yeah so then you know if they work or not totally well i think so it's interesting so the four fundamentals you said movement mm -hmm. eating sleep sleep and thinking mm -hmm. right and the first three are like survival mode right like you gotta move you gotta eat and you gotta sleep otherwise you literally won't survive mm -hmm. right the thinking is where it's like that's where we have less control so i think too what like to your point is it's also important to watch our narrative of our thoughts when we're in those moments, mm. especially like with anxiety and things like that, or any difficult emotion, understanding that it's temporary, but watching how we talk to ourselves mm. is like a big thing because it would be easy to wake up anxious and already be in a space where I'm hard on myself about that. Mm. Why am I anxious again? Why am I tired? Why don't I want to get out of bed? Right. But then knowing this is temporary, I'm not going to feel like this forever. And there are things I can do to get myself out of this, you know? So like, yes, we can eat really well and that will help with anxiety or how we're feeling. Yes, we can move. Yes, we can make sure we're getting good sleep. But like taking what we can control of our thoughts in those moments where our thoughts feel uncontrollable is kind of that like self-dialogue. And so that's something I practice too within that construct of thinking right is like controlling it in ways I can to remind myself that um you know it's not a terminal state of being mm. you know any emotion any difficult emotion isn't terminal you know yeah 
how did you get to that place where you started thinking about your thoughts, thinking about how you talk to yourself, constructing that in a way that's conducive to flourishing? Yeah, I, um, how did I get there? That's a, that's a tough question to answer because I think it has kind of surfaced in multiple ways throughout my life. I think it requires a certain level of self-awareness and a certain like state of meditation to like realize thoughts as they're happening objectively. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think the first time that I probably started realizing my thoughts and then thinking of them objectively would have honestly been the first time I experienced depression, which I was a teenager at the time I was like 16 and I was like, Whoa, what is happening to my brain? Like I just felt not normal. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time where it's like, I almost separated from myself mentally and kind of had this like awareness of my thoughts, awareness of how they were affecting me. And then also awareness of how shifting those could potentially change things in my own perspective, but also in my like external environment. Right. So that was probably the first time it surfaced, but then I began noticing it in other domains that I guess I just hadn't noticed it as much like in athletics and during, you know, really difficult training or competitions or things like that. I was a surfer for a while. Um, and like noticing what was coming up mentally as I was like, this wave might literally kill me like those sort of things, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so then it started like surfacing in other, other domains, I guess. Um, yeah, but I would say it started in the throes of depression and then it kept surfacing um, in sports and just things like that. And now I see it surfacing constantly, right? Because now it's more so like practice to mm. be aware of my thoughts than it is just like a um, homework, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, now you're continuously aware of how you speak to yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you're aiming to to treat yourself like someone you're responsible for helping mm -hmm. instead of just like a person that is here. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Self-talk is an, is, an, is an interesting one because, you know, you relate it to sports and I work a lot with athletes. Mm -hmm. And your self-talk directly relates to your confidence. Totally. Your confidence is... The meaning of confidence is having intense trust in yourself. Mm -hmm. And you need that, especially in these very adverse, difficult, sort of life-threatening environments like surfing, mm -hmm. right? If you're not talking to yourself in a way that's uplifting, but also credible at the same time, mm -hmm. right? Your self-talk has to be credible. If I'm saying things to myself that are totally untrue, then I'm not getting myself out of the position that I'm in. I'm just lying to myself. Yeah. And so that's why confidence is about having intense trust in yourself, but you have to earn that trust in yourself by doing the things that you say you're going to do and moving from that space. Yeah. And then your thoughts start to start to mirror those patterns mm -hmm. in uh, in pretty amazing ways. Yeah. And then instead of having like one thought that's like sort of negative spiral and secrete into 700 other thoughts. And now you're in this like dump, you just have like one or two. You're like, mm, that wasn't great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then you're like, Oh, I can reframe those. You know, I still need to work on yeah. these things. I'm not perfect and I still could do better, but this is how I could potentially do it instead of being like, hey, you're a fucking piece of shit. Yeah. You fuck that up. You're never going to amount to fuck. Yeah, right? right? And well, those are easy things to tell yourself, mm -hmm. which is what's, what's sad. So it's like, 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's easy um, for the self-talk to become negative very quickly. It's funny that you mentioned like one negative thought and then another and then another and then there's like 700. Have you ever heard of the phrase turtles all the way down? Mm-mm. Okay, so I don't know what it's from, but this is like, I, I say this all the time and people are like, what? <laughs> but it's like how you describe a spiral is like it's just turtles all the way down. So basically it's this concept that the earth rests on the back of a turtle. But then it's like, what does that turtle sit on? Another turtle. But what about that turtle? Another turtle. And it's just turtles all the way down, right? So like that's what a spiral is, is like one thought leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And it's just never going to change the farther and farther, farther down you go. It's turtles all the way down. So I think like two with the concept of negative self-talk is recognizing when the spiral is beginning. Mm -hmm. And then like learning for you specifically what's going to reverse you out of it. Mm Um, is big because it's like, if you've experienced this, I have, but like when you witness or you recognize that a spiral is beginning, you can like feel it physically. Um, and it's kind of like, okay, I'm about to spiral. Like, whoa, it's almost like being on a roller coaster and you're like, we're about to drop dude. Like, <laughs> you're like, hang on. It feels like that. And so it's like learning how to brace yourself and how to support yourself if you know that that spiral is about to happen, if you feel like your emotional state is dipping, how can you, like you were saying, be the one to support yourself and be the one to be there for yourself? I think that is a really strong tool to add to that mental toolkit. And it's different for everyone too. Mm-hmm. So that's where it gets tough because like what works for me might not work for other people. Cognitive reframing might work for you and I, but someone else might be like, well, I don't know how to look on the other side of the coin. Right. You know, so experimenting with that, I think is huge. Um, and I, I talk to a lot of athletes about that too, because like you said, you work with athletes and you are, and we're an athlete. I think we're always athletes. I don't believe in like the has been thing. I don't fly with that. I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we're not doing the has been. I, I still train very hard. Yeah. That's, that's me. I don't know how not to, I think, but, um, it's like, you know, as an athlete, there's going to be that moment of doubt. And that moment of like, I can't fucking do this. I can't do another one or I'm going to lose or I can't take it anymore. And then like, again, that self-talk, knowing how to talk to yourself in those moments, knowing how to support yourself and show up for yourself in those moments makes the difference of winning versus losing, surviving versus not. I mean, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that like went in so many directions tangentially, but I hope you see what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I, I love it. It's great. Yeah, I mean that's the whole that's the whole point of of at least attempting or trying these sorts of things mm-hmm. when you're feeling okay. For example, like yeah. if I'm a sixteen year old girl, and I don't know why I said that, but that's just the example <laughs> I'm and I, I'm not feeling well. Right? I've had some rough days at school. Some people might have made fun of me. I got mm-hmm. bullied online. Yeah, and I can't. It just kept happening. So I'm just like, not, I'm not feeling well, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to escape it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm going to try some of these things that I saw on TikTok that people say could be good for my mental health, mm-hmm. but I'm feeling very low at this moment. Mm-hmm. And then you try them. Someone's like, yeah, you should meditate. And I start breathing. Fuck, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Start journaling. This is stupid. Yeah. Right. And then, so then these tools that are actually scientifically back to work yeah. don't work because you're trying them in a moment of deep, deep despair. Yeah. And so then you revert back to doing what you've been doing, which is kind of laying down and 
and, and all that stuff, which is sometimes fine and okay, you, mm -hmm. you know, but in that moment you need to get into some sort of action, but you're trying these things when you feel your worst, mm -hmm. and so they don't actually work even though they could have if you potentially had tried them when you were feeling decent. Right. I'm not even saying good. Yeah. But you're giving yourself a better chance when you're feeling decent to actually know if they might work for you. Mm -hmm. And then you start to stick to your protocols when you do feel your worst, and then it starts to move yourself out of that because we know that feelings follow behavior. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's extremely important as what you're alluding to is developing this sort of mental health toolkit. Yeah. Because you have to know what works for you. Because mm -hmm. we can sit here all day on this podcast, which I do very often, yeah. <laughs> and tell people, not tell people, that's, and, and, and say what has resonated with me in my life yeah. in terms of my mental health and yeah. my personal growth. And then you can try those things. And you're like, mm, Aaron, that didn't really work for me. Okay. What yeah. else did you try? Yeah. What does work for you? That's your toolkit. Yeah. And you can pick at that whenever you need necessary. And it doesn't even have to be when you're feeling bad. You just do it every day. Yeah. Because you're the type of person who takes care of yourself regularly. Yeah. And it becomes a way of being versus a chore mm -hmm. or, yeah, a necessary act for sure. Right. That becomes your identity, right? Mm -hmm. Because your identity really is your repeated beingness. Yeah. Right? You're a bunch of things, mm -hmm. but that wasn't, that's not your identity. Your identity is how you show up in the world, yeah. the values you portray. So no one can take that away from you, even if you lose your job or you stop being an athlete or whatever, whatever, whatever. You still show up this way with your values and your intentions, and that's who you are. That's your identity. And so if we can, if we can then, <clears throat> um, what's the word, kind of push people in that direction mm -hmm. to, to see themselves that way, then we become kind of these... Uh, indestructible resilient people yeah Not nothing's gonna knock us down because a lot of stuff is gonna knock us down definitely but we are more capable of getting back up than we ever will realize yeah yeah that's that's so interesting that you said it in the context of like identity and being as well because i think in those low moments again when you're in the fucking trenches mm. and you're like 10% Aaron and I'm 10% Brooke and like the phone is about to die. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it's so important to think of like your core characteristics, like who Aaron is at his core, who Brooke is. Cause again, those things don't change. They cannot be taken away. They cannot be removed. And so I, I do that a lot. I have found myself doing that a lot throughout anxiety and throughout depressive episodes is, you know, you're looking around and your world looks grim and bleak. I mean, you're thinking, what are my internal truths, right? What do I know about myself that won't change? And so a lot of statements like I am clarity and I am kindness and I am compassion and I am love and I am these things. When you recognize yourself, it's like, this sounds weird to say, but it's like you almost fall in love with yourself. Mm. And when you fall in love with someone, all you want to do is take care of them. Mm. So it's like if you're loving yourself, then you're like, well, I want to take care of you. And I don't want you to hurt. And I don't want you to be sad. And I don't want you to be tired. And I don't want you to be depressed because I don't see you as those things. Right? So it's like talking to yourself. Again, the self-dialogue and looking at yourself objectively. And when you realize those core truths about yourself, I think that might be a good place to start when some of the other things feel impossible. Mm -hmm. Like the journaling feels impossible. The walking feels impossible. It's like, okay, if you're laying there and you're stuck, you can still talk to yourself. You don't have to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. You can just sit there and be like, who am I? 
you know? And I think that that is a very good foundation. And then once you realize how much love you have for yourself and how much value you have, again, then you want to take care of yourself. And that's where those other things start to come in. Those practices start to come in. Um, maintenance, as I like to call it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Personal maintenance for sure. Consistently. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because so. that's, an, that's an important key about starting to be proactive about your mental health, mm-hmm. right? When you start to take care of it, you don't ever become exonerated from the work, mm-hmm. right? You don't just like reach a point in your life where you're good. Yeah. Like nothing's going to happen. It's not like this distant shore that you finally reached and you right. landed. It's like just a, it's a, it's a, it's a North star. Mm-hmm. And if you, you just have to do something consistently and then you feel a little bit better and then you're also equipping yourself with the biggest superpower you possibly can to handle anything that gets thrown at you. Yeah. And that's what you start to feel. You start to feel empowered by who you are. Mm-hmm. You start to feel just straight up powerful and capable. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I can handle that. Yeah. I can handle that. I can handle that. Mm, maybe I can't handle that, but I have a support system because I've developed that sort of relationship with other people. Exactly. And they can help me handle that. And so yeah. it becomes a community effort. And all of that, too, is based on that as well. So I think that's very cool. Mm-hmm. But... As I, as I sit here and listen to you speak very wisely. Oh. <laughs> no, really. Um, I would like to think I'm wise. No, you are very wise. Oh, thank you. Um, how, how, did you get, how did you get to this point? Like, you don't just stumble upon all of these insights. Yeah, yeah. Again, how did, how did I get here? How did I become Brooke? I ask myself that question a lot, actually. Um, I would say suffering and strife, man. Making the wrong decisions... Um, learning the hard way. I am honestly a walking cautionary tale. (laughs) Like I fully believe that I go through things so that others don't have to, which is why I feel so compelled to like tell my story and help people because I'm like, let me guide you. If I have to suffer, so you don't like, and I can then help you with what I've learned. Good. Then that's why I'm here on this earth. Right. Um, so how did I get to be this way? Yeah, I think... Can I, can I ask one question before please. you keep going? Yes. Um, are you using the word suffer, like, deliberately? Yes. Okay. Why? Well, because it's, like, a big word. It is a big word, it and could, so, is, could, so is strife, right? right? You could have used painful or yeah. hard. Right. Well, suffering is painful, and it is Very. difficult, mm-hmm. and it is hard, and... It's like we've been talking about in these episodes where things... Or, like, depressive episodes, I mean where things feel impossible and feel insurmountable. Um, That's why I use the word suffering because I feel like it encompasses all of those um, states Mm -hmm. of being, I guess. Um, But yeah, I've had, I've had periods of that. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to think it's, it's, I've lived a long life for only being 27. All right. Well, I'll help you get there. Okay. So let's think about, let's, let's, I guess we'll break it down a little bit. Yeah. So before you got to who you are today, you obviously did a bunch of other stuff, (laughs) which is like playing sports. Yeah. You played sports. Yes. You mentioned playing, being a surfer. Yep. You did track. Yeah. And you did boxing. Mm Mm-hmm. Talk about those three. Okay. So I ran track for like nine years, I think. Age. 
Uh, I started in middle school. I had to run with the boys. That was, um, that was a lot of fun, actually. But yeah, so I started in middle school. I went all the way through my freshman year in college, but my freshman year I had to run cross country because my university didn't have a track team. Not thrilled about distance. We were talking about this earlier. Yeah. I can't. I can run really fast for like 60 seconds. <laughs> and anything over that, I'm like, you got to count me out. Um, so that was a huge sport for me. Um, ran varsity. And then, uh, yeah, I still, I still feel like track is very much a part of my identity. Mm. And I talk a lot about it in coaching, just the sort of kind of like... Um, mental practices that I learned in track or kind of the track style disciplines. Um, so that's still very much as a part of my life, even though I haven't run for, we'll run, you know, competitively or for a team for a long time. Um, but yeah, I ran track. I was a surfer. I taught myself when I was, I don't know, I think I was like 13 or 14. And my family used to go to California every summer. And I just always thought it looked cool. I was also obsessed with Blue Crush. Did you ever see that movie? I Kate Bosworth. Yeah. I wanted to be her so bad. Like, <laughs> I thought she was so cool. And so when I was, like, a kid, I we would go out to California, and we were on uh, the West Coast. And I would just, like, see these surfers and think they were, like, the coolest, most capable people in the world. And I was like, I'm going to fucking do that. And... Let me tell you, don't teach yourself how to do it. Like, I would never recommend... I almost drowned. But, like, it's just my stubborn attitude and people in the water that were, like... I think they kind of felt bad for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, struggling. Um, and so, kind of helped me. So, that was surfing. And then boxing. Yeah, boxing was a big one. Boxing, I like to tell people boxing kept me alive. Um, because that is what I started when I was in that first depression when I was a teenager. Um, felt super alone, felt super lost. And boxing was something that taught me how to stay in the fight, very literally. Mm -hmm. um, and then I continued that and became competitive shortly thereafter. And I still box for fun now. I love it. It's great. I know you're a fighter too, so you mm -hmm. get it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, we'll, t I, we'll definitely touch on that. But uh, <laughs> So track was your first kind of introduction to working out or were you working out before that? I would say, well, before that even was gymnastics because mm. I was a gymnast for a long time too. I don't know how I did all of these things. Right. I wonder when I found the time, but I did them. Um, yeah, gymnastics would have been the first thing I started that. I was very young. I was like three or four and then was in that up until high school, I guess, because then I was a cheerleader in high school. Um, but then I coached gymnastics and that was my first experience coaching. Mm. Um, but gymnastics, first involvement in like competitive sports, track was where the working out and like fitness side of things, I think came more, became more prevalent because I was a little bit older mm -hmm. at that point. And when you're six, you don't like know that you're working out. Right. You know, you're just like tumbling. Yeah. You're just like doing Flipping flips and, yeah. and like swinging around bars and it's just a lot of fun. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. So then you started doing track. You mm -hmm. start, you got introduced to working out. And sort of discipline that it takes to be any kind of athlete at any sort of level. Mm -hmm. What did what did that teach you? What did being in sports teach you that you still have with you today? Oh, so many things. I yeah, I owe so much of my like mental fortitude and my resilience to sports. I would say, as competitive athletes probably know. Um, 
track specifically, um, a couple things come to mind when I think about what track taught me. Funny enough, it's very on the nose, but like literally one foot in front of the other. Mm -hmm. Because I remember running some races, I was like, I might not make it to the end. Like, I remember there was one race at Districts, um, my calf Charlie horsed in the blocks. Mm. In the blocks. You haven't even started yet. No. <laughs> yeah. Which, have you had a Charlie horse? It's like oh, yeah. insurmountable pain. Yes, I get them all the time in my calf during jujitsu. Yeah, they're absolutely horrible. <laughs> like it like gives me the heebie-jeebies literally thinking about it but so that happened in the blocks and um I had a I was running the 200 meter and um I remember like coming out of the blocks and thinking like my legs were gonna fall off so very much track was like one foot in front of the other which sounds so funny but things are cliche for a reason um I love cliche me too <laughs> like I'm like someone came up with that and they were well beyond their years, honestly. I mean, your shirt says all good. I'm yeah. Oh, that. we should talk about this too. I would love to talk about this. Okay. Okay. 100%. But yeah. So thing number one, one foot in front of the other. Thing number two, track specifically taught me was finish line discipline. And I like to say. Finish line discipline. Yeah. Mm. Finish line discipline. And re knows, I say it every time I'm on the mic, even if it's just a 60 second set, I talk about finish line discipline and it means you don't walk before the finish line. And that applies to so much. It even ties in, I feel like, to what you mentioned about the North Star. Mm -hmm. There never is that finish line. There, ever, there never is that destination. But that's the discipline. You yeah. don't stop until you're there. You're never going to be there, so we never stop. Right? right? Like, we never stop growing. We never stop learning. We never stop evolving. But that's the finish line discipline is, like, we don't walk before we hit that. Mm -hmm. We don't give up on ourselves before we hit that point, before we become what we want to be. Mm -hmm. Right, and so that's the finish line discipline. Now, when you're working out and you're like, you only have 10 seconds left, the finish line discipline's pretty easy because right. you're like, well, I can get three more reps. But like in life in general, it obviously becomes a little more complicated, but it's just something to remember is like, you know, you're aiming somewhere and mm -hmm. you're gonna get there, but you gotta, you have to keep pushing. You right. have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. So. I mean, those two, we'll say lessons that you learned yeah. are fit perfectly into one another. Yeah. Because no matter how slow you're moving, doesn't matter. You're mm -hmm. still putting one foot in front of the other and still moving towards whatever your ultimate purpose is. Yeah. I like to call it a massive transformative purpose. Your yeah. highest North Star. But that's hard to kind of cultivate without some sort of diligent practice, but I've talked about it a lot. On yeah. Pod. You can search future episodes. I break that down. Yeah, I'm like, if you're, if you're specifically watching this because you're, you're, you uh, know Brooke, but, um, yeah. So those two, those two go hand in hand. I love totally. that. Cause I, I coach, I coach youth baseball. Also. Oh, cool. The kids are 14 now. Nice. So yeah. And my number one thing as a coach is basically I'm trying to embody the values that I wish for the boys to live by. Yeah. So if I want them to be resilient, hardworking, calm, grateful, zesty, powerful, then I have to embody those characteristics mm -hmm. all of the time. Mm -hmm. Because especially young people do not care what you say. They care how you act. Yeah, they're they will, watching. They, they're watching intently. Yeah. They're studying you. Mm -hmm. They're thinking about it. They're thinking how... Because like, if you're a person they admire, which hopefully you are as their coach, mm -hmm. rather than they're like, okay, how can I grow up to be something like that? 
Mm-hmm. Especially if they don't have maybe a parent at the home that they have look up to or that something's happening there. Maybe they do, so maybe they have multiple sets of people that they're striving to be like, which is fucking amazing. Yeah. But they, their coach is different because like their parents at that age are like, I don't want to listen to my mom and dad. I'm 14. I'm super cool. I got a phone. Like I have a girlfriend. It's, uh, you know, it's I have like, the best hair. Right. Yeah, I have this I cool it. hair, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm almost about to drive. Like, cool, cool, cool. In so a couple I'm, years, but like I'll get there. Yeah. yeah. So I see my coach and he's like super cool, man. Yeah. And so if we can be that for them. Yeah. And then it goes the opposite direction as well. Like I've said this story a lot, but I'll say it again. If I'm coaching my team and someone in the field makes an error, they boot a ball, they make a bad throw, they strike mm-hmm. out. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey dude, it's all right. You get him next time. But then I take my hat, I throw it on the ground. I start stomping my hat. Mm-hmm. He doesn't hear my words that I said, calm down. It doesn't mean anything. He's mm-hmm. seeing that I overreacted. I'm mm-hmm. treating him like he's the worst player in the world, which obviously he's not. One thing happened, doesn't even matter. And that's what he sees. Mm-hmm. And so then the next time he makes an error, he throws his hat. Mm-hmm. The next time he makes an error or his teammate makes an error, he yells at them. Mm-hmm. When he gets a bad grade and his mom tells him he needs to study, he yells at her. Why is he doing all of that? That doesn't make sense. It's not in a sporting environment. Well, he saw someone that he looks up to embody those traits and now he's resembling them because he's a smart kid and he thinks that's what cool, mature adults do is that they throw their hat and they yell at people. Yeah. And so if we want to be any sort of role model to anyone, and this could be in your, in your space as well because you're a coach and people are looking up to you in that way, then we want to embody some of these traits, mm-hmm. all of them, that we wish for our people to portray, especially yeah. young people because mm-hmm. they're taking over, right? They're the next generation of people who are going to change the world. Yeah. And so when I think about those two lessons that you learned, I mean, that's why I think that sports specifically for young people are amazing. I agree. You know, most people quit youth sports at 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. And they have yet to learn anything of value from those sports at that age. Mm-hmm. Sports are not about making it to the big time. Very few people make millions of dollars from sports. Yeah. But what they learn is unbelievably helpful for the rest of their life that you're not going to get anywhere else in a, in a more safer environment. I'm mm-hmm. teaching you how to socialize with people. I'm mm-hmm. teaching you teamwork. I'm teaching you effort. I'm teaching you discipline. I'm mm-hmm. teaching you that even if you put in all of the right amount of effort, it still may not go your way. Mm-hmm. But what do you do? You put your uniform on and your cleats on the next day and you show the fuck back up because mm-hmm. you never know might, what might happen. You're yeah. learning all of those things. Yeah. And it's super important. That it literally changed my whole life. Yeah. I mean, lessons that you carry literally for the rest of your life. In every environment, with every situation, with every person, with every job, everywhere. 100%. 100%. It's so funny because I always say that. I'm like, big sports gal. And people are like, ha. I'm like, no, you don't. (laughs) Like, (laughs) seriously. Yeah. Well, because people who, who didn't play sports long enough, don't, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not just saying that I really like baseball. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not just saying, I'm saying that it, 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 it altered the fabric of who I am. Yeah. Like, if I never played baseball, there's yeah. no way that I would have the same life. 100%. Mm-hmm. Why, no way. Not a yeah. chance. So, it didn't, I didn't just go and put in a uniform and play baseball and hit mm-hmm. a ball and practice. No, I I just like not enough words to explain yeah. how it impacted me. Yeah. And so obviously that's why I got into coaching. That's why you got into coaching also to sort of hopefully have that same impact on other people. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 
Well, and truly, like, I think everybody is an athlete. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, as, well, now, too, because I'm working with adults. And not all of them played sports. Not right. all of them were competitive athletes or whatever. But, but like, if you work out at Evolve, you're an athlete. You're, yeah, if you work out at Evolve, trust me. You, no. are, you are an athlete, <laughs> Correct. 100%. Correct. Thank you for acknowledging that. <laughs> I, did one, I did one workout there. No way. Yeah. With who? Oh, shoot. This is not good. Her name <laughs> starts with a K. Kayla. K Kaylee. Kaylee. Oh, Kaylee. nice. Yeah, Kaylee. Yeah, she's, she's a little great. dynamite. Yeah, she's great. The whole <laughs> workout her. was great. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but that's so true is like people are like, well, I'm not an athlete. And I'm like, no, but if you are in the fitness space and you're working out and you're moving your body in this way, you begin to understand the athletic mindset, mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah, that's something I carry with me always and everywhere. And honestly, never stop thinking about, even if it's not in the context of like track or being on a surfboard or being on a stage dancing or whatever it's like again it's woven into the fabric of my being and like literally created new synapses in my brain that are like the way that i think and am now mm -hmm. you know so i get you with that for real yeah. <laughs> what about surfing what oh, did you gosh. learn from surfing <laughs> surfing's a fun one um because surfing is very literally life or death uh -huh. um and I think that parallel, if we're drawing parallels here, um, I think that a lot of mental health battles feel that way too. It feels like life or death. Mm -hmm. And especially if you're familiar with being in survival mode, and that could just be physiologically, like literally your autonomic central nervous system is just on fight or flight constantly because that's like what anxiety is, mm -hmm. right? Um, then yeah, mental health battles are literally life or death. So surfing is a fun one because there's so many parallels that I draw. And I will even use surfing as a metaphor when I'm speaking to people that have never surfed and hate swimming because it just like makes sense. And if we're talking specifically about like the lesson that I've learned from surfing, um, the way that I like to say it is, you know, you're out there and you're on your board and you see a wave coming. There comes a moment when that wave comes and you make a decision about what you're gonna do. Are we gonna try to surf it? Are we gonna go under it? Are we gonna watch someone else surf it? What are we gonna do, right? <clears throat> There's a moment of decision. And um, the way that we handle that moment is, um, is very telling, right? Sometimes that wave comes and you're not ready and you topple under it, right? But there's still a moment of decision there mm -hmm. because now we're underwater and we're in this like tumultuous, like powerful thing that we just got completely overtaken by. Like you see the parallel with mental health, right? Oh yeah. That's the strife. That's the struggle that I was talking about. You feel completely overtaken by it now we have a moment of decision, a moment of almost complete pause. That's why surfing is so cool. There's almost a moment where time freezes. And um, so how we handle it then when we're completely taken over is important because I don't know how familiar you are with swimming, especially like in natural elements. But if you're under and you're, you're not supposed to fight it, basically. So if you're taken under or you're pulled by a riptide, you let it happen. Mm. And so... That ties back into that sort of gentleness of like, this is happening. This is okay. This is temporary. I'm going to come up for air mm -hmm. eventually. I'm going to get out of this situation that I'm in, right? Okay. 
backtrack, we're back on the board, the wave's coming again, right? And I decide I'm just going to ride it, right? That's that like, we just cruise with it. We just let life take us in ways we want to go even, or not ways we want to go, take us in the ways it will take us. Mm -hmm. Even if it's not where we want to go, we ride it out, we cruise it, right? But again, like surfing is just so poignant because there's, again, this like, direct parallel to life and the wave that's coming is any situation at all and that moment of decision is how we handle it right so I talk about that a lot because sometimes the waters are choppy Mm -hmm. you know what I mean and surfing is going to be a battle finding those waves to ride when to ride them when to not be taken over by them how to navigate them is going to be challenging Um, And sometimes the waters are smooth and clear and we're out there just having a great fucking time. But knowing that, again, like the ocean's not the same every day. We're not going to feel the same every day. That's how we started this conversation, Mm -hmm. right? So, right, like surfing is just one of those things that's so cool. Like I could just talk to anybody about it and I feel like they would be like, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) You know? It does. Yeah. I've never surfed in my life. Would you be interested? At this point in my life, probably. Really? Okay, yeah. cool. But I, I completely understand the dynamics of what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. It's like, because you can visualize it uh-huh. too, and you can almost feel being there, right? And I think part of it, like, we're so much made up of water too, that as human beings, that it just like feels powerful to be in water. And you can almost feel how that like actually affects you. So then when I'm giving this metaphor and you're sitting there and you're thinking about it, you can almost feel it, even if you've never surfed. Like, right. You can kind of imagine physically. Like, yeah, and you can picture yourself in the ocean. Yeah, huge waves, the seeing, vastness yeah. and just, yeah, seeing absolutely. Seeing someone try to ride that or let it go or get sunk underneath by it. And yeah. What they're going to do next or what are you going to do next? And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and surfing is another cool thing because it's one of those things that makes you feel really small mm-hmm. in an important way. Right. Like looking at stars in the galaxy makes you feel small and it makes you feel like, I am this like tiny spiritual being having a physical experience and mine is unique to everyone else's and how fucking cool is that? Right. Surfing does that too because the ocean, I mean, hello, like we can't even comprehend how far out that thing goes. It's amazing. And you're sitting there and you're on a board and you're like, I'm tiny. And there's this like big fucking wave coming. You're like, I'm really tiny, you know? So it's just, but it's, it's humbling and it's cool to be reminded, uh, of that. And I feel like, I feel like even if I have a bad surfing day, I never leave the beach feeling worse than when I went there mm-hmm. because there's something I took from it right. regardless, you know? Yeah. So. That's exactly how I feel about, um, going to jujitsu. Yeah. Like I'll get choked out, arm barred, <laughs> right. all this stuff, like at a repeated basis when we roll, cause all these guys are better than me. And even when I leave, I'm like, that was a great day. Yeah, exactly. And I showed up on the mat, got my ass kicked. Yeah. Stayed calm, persevered through it, got a little bit better. Okay, cool. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome day. That's that's exactly it. I'll literally be like choking up water, but then I'll even be like, damn, I did that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So much perseverance was a word you used. That's that's a big one in surfing too. Resilience. Um, strategy choice mm-hmm. i'm sure you're very familiar with that in jujitsu yeah so yeah i don't have any strategy now except for please survive <laughs> yeah. this round right survival mode life or death it right is. it is it is again there's like another way to carry it right yeah 
But it's it's all it all basically tracks sports, surfing, jujitsu, martial arts. It all tracks down to basically the one idea of voluntarily doing hard things mm-hmm. makes your life a little bit easier. Yeah, like voluntarily putting yourselves in situations not dangerous, like for your like actual well-being, but uncomfortable for like you're just your state, mm-hmm. like jujitsu, martial arts, boxing, sports, public speaking. Yeah. Right? trying to paint, playing the piano, all of those things are extremely hard. Yeah. And you're not going to get them at the first time. Mm-hmm. You have to be willing to be a fool to become a master at anything. And you know that it's get, you're going to do it for the long haul. And that's yeah. the only thing that you, be, you become, a, become a master at something over <laughs> the long haul. But you're willing to do hard things. Yeah. And so then when real life hits and you go through something, you get a bad grade on your test. You don't get the job that you wanted. Mm-hmm. You're like, yes, it sucks because we have to be honest with our situation and that it's hard. Yes, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. But I can get it done somehow, yeah. some way because I've practiced it in other areas of my life that helped me now do it in this situation where I need it the most. Yeah. And isn't it so important to get uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I talk about that a lot too. It's like how important it is to get uncomfortable just for like your growth Mm -hmm. in general too. Um, So I definitely like to live in those spaces where I'm not comfortable, which like sounds funny because it's like when you just be on edge all the time and I'm like, no, I'm actually excited to be uncomfortable because it's, I know I'm going to be better for it. Right. And so that has also been a North Star especially in mental health battles, battles, it's like, I know I'm going to be better on the other side of this. I am uncomfortable now and I'm struggling now, but on the other side of it, once I get there, I'm going to be better than I was before in ways I never even thought possible, you know? So I think those reminders to those affirmations are big. Huge. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and then you decided to get into boxing. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You can take a sip. (laughs) (laughs) My tea. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I got in boxing. Got into boxing. Was there a specific reason that you wanted to do that? Oh yeah, I wanted to punch the shit out of something. Because you weren't feeling... Good at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, we'll keep that one black and white. Like, I was just like, I want to hit something. (laughs) But, like, didn't want to put my fist through drywall. Right. Or, like bricks or something so I was like a heavy bag probably makes the most sense yeah um so yeah I went to this gym in the neighborhood that I grew up in used to live in um met a coach Albert Rodriguez I'm saying his name because I know he'll listen to this (laughs) um but met a coach who taught me the ins and outs taught me how to punch what the different punches are um started training with him that's how it all started Mm -hmm. And yeah, I went there, man, when I was in the throes of that, I think I was going to the boxing gym like every day and just like punching and punching and punching and punching until I was exhausted and then felt better. You know what I mean? I mean, I'd be there and I would like cry in the middle of punching, you know, and just like that was probably the most cathartic sport for me. Um, and still is. Again, I still box recreationally. It's a lot of fun. Um, muscle memory is a cool thing, too. Amazing. I'm like, I still know how to fight. Wow, look at me go. <laughs> um, awesome. 16-year-old Brooke would be proud. But, um, yeah, so I just I got into that during my first experience of depression and was young. Yeah, a teenager. And just wanted to hit things very hard. 
and that's how it started. And then how did it end? Um, well, I guess it hasn't really end, ended. Um, my career in boxing competitively like hasn't really continued. Um, I don't even really know. I guess I was just in college. Like there was no great reason for that ending. Um, but again, boxing is another one of those things where there's so many specific lessons that I mm -hmm. carry. And like I was saying, staying in the fight, yep. like that's the big one. And I think I was talking about that actually that day on Instagram when I was talking on stories was staying in the fight and how staying in the fight is always worth it. And that is like its own story. Um, but yeah, staying in the fight is big. Um, again, kind of like finish line discipline, but it's buzzer discipline. It's the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? These parallels again. Um, so yeah, carried a lot from boxing, still do, still very much have the fighter mentality. Um, that's kind of my like alter ego too, mentally, is this like, like, are you familiar with Wonder Woman? Of course. <laughs> okay. Of course. So like her and her like training mm -hmm. montages, mm -hmm. that's like me in my daily life mentally. Amazing. <laughs> I'm definitely not like flipping through the air with like swords and axes and stuff, but, um, just that like concept of like the warrior within the fighter within, mm -hmm. um, is, is a big self concept that has carried me through a lot. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, outside of, outside of sports, I think, um, having a mixed martial arts, wrestling, grappling, boxing practice, mm -hmm. it's, it's life-changing, mm -hmm. especially, especially for, for young boys, mm -hmm. I think. I mean, I, that's the only thing that I know really about. Probably amazing for young girls as well. Mm -hmm. But if we can get into an environment where we are in a safe place to try and become the most capable and dangerous people that we can and mm -hmm. then have that under voluntary control in our day-to-day -day life, we have then become a very, very productive and meaningful part of society. Totally. And that's very important. And I, and I say the word dangerous not in a, not in a violent way. Right, totally. It's but like, like in a, a confident, yeah. competent, caring, compassionate way. Like the four C's of a good man, I think. So yeah. Competent, compassionate, con confident, <laughs> competent, compassionate, and caring. Yeah. You know, and you can build all of those things in a sort of martial arts practice. Yeah. Because that's just how it is. There's a respect factor. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a discipline factor. There's a loyalty factor. Mm -hmm. You're caring about the person that you're, you're going with because you're not out there to just beat the shit out of him. You're right. working together. So you care about this person, even though it's a violent sort of act. Mm -hmm. And that is like insurmountably beneficial for, for a young boy. Mm -hmm. And then you add that on top of some sports and then you add people who have mentors and like, oh man, we just build such a, such a society where people are elevated and the same thing can happen with young girls. And then now we're, and then hopefully those young boys and those young girls meet and they build beautiful lives together and yeah. you know, all that stuff. But <laughs> um, yeah, individually trying to elevate one another and then having this sort of additive type of relationship. But man, yeah, that stuff is amazing. Yeah. Well, it's so great. When you say like becoming dangerous too, like what came to mind for me was like becoming this unstoppable force. Yeah. But like that is in a healthy way is in a productive way. Right. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So that, and that's exactly what it felt like being like in the ring was like building this 
warrior who is going to walk outside of those four walls and just be like unfuckwithable mm -hmm. in a healthy way. Like being like, I'm just completely owning their identity and right. who they are and how they can then pour that into others. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's hundred percent played out in your life. As mm -hmm. far as I can tell, Yeah. <laughs> you know, as far as I can tell, this is, we met an hour and 15 minutes ago. <laughs> um, but like you've just stayed in the fight, right? Mm -hmm. And and gone through the trenches. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know 100%, but it seems like you're maybe peeking through the light and, and becoming the best version of yourself or you already feel like you're there. I'm um, never going to be there. There you go. Right? That's like right. never going to be there. Endless improvement. But I mean, you know, if you need a... Any sort of indicator that it's the truth, you know, you can look at these two people that are on the pod right now speaking about it. So that's good. Hello, hello. Hello. Um, all right, then I want to, I kind of want to touch on then, you did all that, you went to college, I mm -hmm. imagine. Yep. And then when did wanting to be a coach come into that? Yeah, totally. So I think I knew I wanted to be a coach simply because I looked up to mine. Mm. Um, and I worked with, I, when I first started coaching, I worked with kids. I was a gymnastics coach shortly thereafter, a cheerleading coach, um, did an after school nonprofit track program for a while. And then after that got into the sort of adult fitness space, weightlifting and strength training. Um, but really I just wanted to be a coach because I felt like, I think I felt much like you, like I had things that I could teach people. Mm -hmm. And again, a walking cautionary tale. I learned these things the hard way so that you don't necessarily have to. And if I can be a guiding light, a leader, a source of inspiration, then I want to be. And sometimes that doesn't even come through the actual coaching the game or the sport so much as it comes through your simple existence in someone's life. Mm -hmm. You know, because people have been that way for me. My coaches are still my role models to this day. I consult them constantly. Um, so yeah, it started that way. Um, I coached throughout college and now I'm actually in physical therapy school to mm. become a doctor of physical therapy, which is almost another form of coaching. Yeah, It's just a different degree of education, honestly, different level of science mm -hmm. <laughs> behind it. Um, but yeah, that just has become so important to me because it was important for me to have growing up and throughout my life. So now I feel like it's something I can pay forward, I guess, and give to other people that mentorship, that role. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it started. I feel like you're going to be an amazing physical therapist. <laughs> Thank you. You want to know why? Literally cries. Why? Yeah. Here's why. <laughs> I, I spoke to this doctor of physical therapy. His name's Justin on my podcast. So just the, the episode released today, actually, but I spoke to him about four weeks ago. Oh, nice. And he kind of did like the reverse of what you're sort of doing. So he became a doctor of physical therapy and then he realized how much his patients needed mindset training. Yeah. Because that's not something they, apparently, I don't actually know because I didn't go to physical therapy school, but that's not something they teach you at physical therapy school. Yeah, not and really. And so now he's optimizing his sort of mindset approach, his breath work, mm -hmm. things of that nature to then implement into the same sort of 
mechanical and technical stuff he's doing as a doctor of physical therapy because as we know we've been talking about the mind and the body are bi-directional mm -hmm. each impacts one another mm -hmm. if you feel like you're too stressed or too overwhelmed you're not going to be able to heal as well as you could have mm -hmm. so you have to be able to calm your nervous system down with some breath work some self-talk all of that and then obviously get to the root of the issue as to why you're in physical therapy but all that stuff matters and so yeah. it seems like you have a really good foundational piece on this sort of mindset mental health approach and then you're going to learn all this technical stuff about physical therapy and then be able to combine the two. Mm -hmm. And whoever comes to you is going to be fucking amazed. <laughs> oh, thank you. So that's really cool. A high compliment. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, no, sweet. Um, what do you think is, in your, in your current job at Evolve, mm -hmm. what is the most challenging piece? The most challenging yeah. piece? Um, is there one? Or is it all sunshine and rainbows? Well, I fucking love it. So we'll start there. That is my second home. That has been my sanctuary and my second home for five years now. That is like the boxing gym when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20 is to what Evolve is to me now mm. at 27. Um, the hardest piece working at Evolve is honestly nothing to do with the job itself and more so me wanting to ensure that I'm showing up for the athletes in the best way that I can, mm -hmm. right? Because we talk a lot about the fact that you never know who's listening. Mm -hmm. And that rings true all the time. It rings true with that Instagram story where I was talking, right? You never know who's listening to this, who needs to hear this message. And when you walk into a gym like that, I mean, you know, you're standing in front of 30 people, 40 people, and there's no way to know how every single one of them is feeling, what are they going through, what was happening before they walked through the doors. And so I think the hardest piece is like, am I holding the space in the best way that these people need me to today, mm -hmm. right? Because you walk in there and those 30 people, not only are they looking at you, but they're counting on you. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, Again, like I want to be able to carry the weight for them when they can't. Mm -hmm. And I would say that is the hardest part is knowing whether or not I did that well, mm -hmm. you know, because you're not always going to be told. And I don't need the valid. I don't need a pat on the back saying right. that was a great class. But it's like I talk about this a lot, too. If one person walks out the door feeling better from having taken my class or being in the gym or something I said, or whatever, just one person feels marginally better, mm -hmm. I did my job. Right. You know, so yeah, the hardest part is just like, am I doing it well enough for what they need? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's hard to like walk around with like hundreds of pounds all day, but like, <laughs> but <laughs> that's not really <laughs> the hardest part, I guess. <laughs> I, I get what you mean though. Yeah. Yeah, because as a coach in any sort of domain, you're you have to shoulder that responsibility mm -hmm. and you have to be willing to take on that, that responsibility, have some sort of deep honor that comes with that responsibility mm -hmm. because that, yeah, I mean, that's the root, that's the root really of all good things is, is what you just said at the end there. Like if one person is positively impacted by anything that I do, mm -hmm. then what I'm doing is good and I'm going to keep doing that thing. Mm -hmm. Right. When I had zero listeners on this podcast, now we have two. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's awesome. It's great, right? But I would do this regardless if anyone was listening or not. Yeah. Because I like talking about it. Yeah. This is the only time in my life where I get to have an uninterrupted conversation with a person. Mm-hmm. Our phones are away. Mm-hmm. Nothing's happening except this conversation. Totally. So if no one ever listened, this would still be one of the most beneficial and important parts of my day. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I do it. And the same yeah. reason why you coach, because maybe one person who walks in the gym, you don't know if they had something that morning, they got into a fight, they had a, they got fired from their job, whatever. They didn't tell you, they just came in, they got their workout done, and mm-hmm. they felt exponentially better mm-hmm. because of not what you said, but just the energy you brought, your mm-hmm. passion for your job, things of that nature. All of that stuff matters, and it's deeply important. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I also want to I want to say something about Evolve. Okay. <laughs> Gosh. So I feel like people who go there. It's like, if you know, you know, it's one of those places, but if you don't know, right. And tell I, us. I don't really know, Yeah. But, but I feel like people who go to that gym and are going to listen to this. And so I just want to make a, a comment. <laughs> My girlfriend Ree, has been going there for, uh, almost, it'll be like a year and a half, yeah. almost two years. And from how she feels to the community that's been set up there to the trainers, to just everything about the gym itself. Mm-hmm. I, from a very outsider's point of view, only done one workout, been there once, don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. Went to like one social event at something one time. Mm-hmm. But other than that, don't know anything. I just know how it makes my girlfriend feel mm-hmm. and how important it is for her to go every single, like six days a week she works out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and how much better it makes her feel. And yeah. so just from that point of view, um, it's amazing. And I don't think I've ever seen a gym be set up as well as that one. Yeah. In terms of the high quality trainers, the times you can work out, the workouts itself, yeah. the community aspect. Um, they do outside stuff out of the gym, all of that stuff. So mm-hmm. kudos to whoever runs Evolve, all the trainers, the people, the athletes, all of that. I just wanted to point that out because I don't know if yeah. I'll ever get a chance to say that where Evolve people are listening. So. Yeah, it's Sharif Abood. He's going to kill me for shouting him out on this podcast but amazing human being honestly and evolve is such a special place like very special i will never step off the evolve pedestal ever yeah (laughs) yeah it's 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 quite sad because re is moving into my house in december yeah i live in plano i know it's very far from evolve (laughs) she's like heartbroken she is she is so I, i i feel bad about that you know but i'm very excited she's moving in so i think we'll be all right but Trying to find another gym of that yeah. caliber yeah. in the Plano area will be hard, but I know she wants to attend some weekend workouts when she can. Totally. Because I'll be coaching baseball on the weekend, so she'll yeah. have a bunch of free time, so I'm sure she'll pop in for a bunch of workouts. Yeah. But yeah, I wanted to point that out. So I think that's important. <laughs> for sure. <clears throat> All right. I want to um, touch on a few more things. Let's do it. But you posted it on Instagram today. <laughs> Sometimes I do that. You posted on Instagram today. Rarely. <laughs> and you made a great post. Thank you. Do you have it pulled up? What are we? Oh, great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he comes prepared with materials. Um, and it basically, the post basically talks about how grateful you are for your body. Yeah. I'm not going to read the whole post. It's long. But uh, her, Brooke's Instagram will be linked in the show notes. So you can definitely check it out and follow her. But uh, just kind of run me through your thought process about this post, why you posted it, um, how you become grateful for your body, things of that nature. Yeah, totally. So gratitude specifically 
is a relatively new practice for me. Oh yeah? I'm not a stranger to it, but like deliberately and regularly practicing it is fairly new. Um, meaning like listing out specifics, if you will. Never really did that. I like knew I was grateful for things, but I wouldn't like shed light on them specifically. Mm -hmm. um, this post specifically came about, the photos are from a competition that I did, a fitness competition a couple weekends ago. Um, physically, probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Um, again, the body and the mind are bi-directional, right? So there was a lot of notes I took on the experience mentally of how I felt mentally, how I was talking to myself, what was happening physically, right? Um, and I, like fitness is so cool and competing is so cool because you kind of feel like a superhero when you're done. You're like, holy shit, I didn't know I could do that. Mm -hmm. And the reason that that message specifically became important is because more on the recent side, like I've obviously been talking about it, but just with mental health battles, um, we mentioned the lies that you begin to tell yourself when you're in those, those dark spaces, those lonely spaces. And um, I think that there was a period where I was telling myself a lot of those lies, like you're not capable, you're not worthy, you can't do this, you're whatever. And then to see the fact that my body fucking did it and like excelled at it was a kind of, whoa, moment. And I wrote about gratitude specifically because I realized how often my body shows up for me when my mind doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, and that's kind of the whole message in the caption is like, like, I don't even remember what I wrote, but <laughs> I'm like, I've, I've, yeah, I've lived said, many lives since 6 a.m. When, when my mind says collapse, my body says stay standing. When yeah. my mind says quit, my body says another step. When my mind says you can't do it, my body says watch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's exactly it. So it's like when my mind is telling me these lies and feeding me these doubts and creating storm clouds, my body is still showing up. Mm -hmm. And again, that's the survival versus death too. It's like, we're still waking up another day. Your body is still breathing. Your body so badly wants you to live. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a very important message because when we start going into these spirals, these turtles all the way down spirals, um, recognizing the difference between the mind and the body becomes very important. And I think that there's a narrative that the mind will start to say when we're in a bad spot and the body um, can kind of override it, right? And yeah, I just think, so I wrote about gratitude just because I think it's so important to thank yourself mm -hmm. for showing up for yourself mm -hmm. every day, even when your mind tells you it's impossible, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. that's where that came from. This, um, the last bit before you, you specifically talk about the, um, the event itself is the best piece. So I'm going to read that one. Okay. 
<clears throat> your very existence is but one of those miracles. Take a moment to show your body gratitude today. I promise it will pay you back exponentially. Your very existence is but one of those miracles. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. Everyone is a unique, unbelievably amazing miracle. Yeah, it is amazing that you are sitting here mm -hmm. right now and that I am sitting here and that, you know, any physical object exists and we are experiencing at all. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think, I th yeah, I just like, I felt like people needed to know that existing in and of itself is a beautiful thing, whether it feels good that day or not. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? It's great that we get to be here and that our bodies still show up even when we don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. This, an example of a post like this and your Instagram stories are one of the reasons why social media is a positive thing, right? Of course, there's a bunch of negative things that come mm -hmm. with social media and we can talk about those at length, but... <laughs> One of the positive things is these sorts of messages. Yeah. That you don't know who's going to read it again. You mm -hmm. don't know who's going to see it. Mm -hmm. You had no idea that I was going to see your Instagram story. No, no. We were going to have this super cool conversation. <laughs> and then now we're friends. Yeah. And I know more of my girlfriend's friends. Yeah. And all this stuff, right? Such positive downstream effects from you sharing something uh, on your story. Yeah. And so that's amazing. Thank you. And where, where have you taken your gratitude practice now? Yeah, so that actually started because when I was, again, in the trenches, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to claw myself out of this. I don't see a way out. And my friend was like, I get that, but here's what we're going to do. I don't care how the day goes. You're going to find three things that you're grateful for every single day. It can be simple. It can be a glass of water tasted really good. You're going to find three things no matter what no matter how shitty the day is, that you are grateful for specifically that day. So I started doing that and that's where it kind of like snowballed. Um, and just, because it's so funny, it's like once you start it, you realize how many things you really are grateful for. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wait, I wanna write about like this and like, wait this, wait this. And now all of a sudden you're seeing all of these things in kind of a new light. And yeah, I think, I think, Gratitude is a very unique thing to practice, especially when you're feeling down and, you know, um, you know, I guess tormented or sorrowful or, you know, how, whatever word you want to use. I think that it feels counterintuitive to practice gratitude when you're like, well, I literally feel like shit and I don't want to feel like this. So what do I have to be grateful for? Mm -hmm. feels counterintuitive, but it's actually very powerful to Super be able powerful. to... Yeah, to, uh, I guess, uphold that practice. And I think that's yet another tool that can kind of help you pull out of it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, when you can see that there's still things that are beautiful and still things that are worthy, even when you might feel like there aren't. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, gratitude practice is extreme, ext extremely, extremely powerful. But you have to commit to it for the long haul. Yeah. Right? And it feels like a little cheesy sometimes. Of course it does. You because know? you see all these things on social media again that's like, Mm -hmm. You know, these kind of things that aren't really backed by the true nature of what they should be. And mm -hmm. it's like it, it promises things that it probably won't bring. Like having a gratitude practice and a gratitude journal will not instantly make your life become the life you want. Right. But it will give you sort of a foundational piece to move from. 
Mm-hmm. Like you, you have these things, mm-hmm. right? What's important about some sort of gratitude practice is that you're, you're writing down the things that you already appreciate and love in your life. Totally. And then have the ability to still strive for more because mm-hmm. I'm grateful for my girlfriend, my family, my mom, my dad, my house, whatever, whatever, whatever. It doesn't mean I can't go and get more or mm-hmm. become more. Mm-hmm. But if the thing is, if I never do get more or become more, I still already always have these things. And mm-hmm. so my life is still already full because of it. That's the, that's the point. Yeah. I think that gratitude helps you come from a place of abundance rather than a place of scarcity or oh, lack. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Great. Yes. So everyone, <laughs> everyone should, not should, could potentially benefit from um, writing a couple things down that yeah. you're appreciative for, yeah. that you're thankful for. Yeah, or at least taking note of them mentally throughout the day, yeah. you know? Or writing a letter of gratitude to yourself or a friend mm-hmm. or anyone. All of those things are extremely powerful. Yeah. And people need them more than you know. I'm a big handwritten note gal. Yeah? Oh, yeah. That's uh, The handwritten letter is a, um, is a big part of uh, my nonprofit. Oh, nice. It's kind of our thing. Cool. It became our thing very recently. Really? But I've done it at like the past couple things that I've been to. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah, it's like, because people don't do it that often, mm-hmm. right? And well, they, it's such an intimate, like, experience and connection, too, uh-huh. to be physically writing something. Right. Mm-hmm. Whether you're writing to someone that has already passed. Or you're mm-hmm. writing it to yourself, mm-hmm. or you're writing it to a friend. All that stuff is, is extremely powerful. Yeah. It's like getting it out, you know, using it as a tool to remove it from your head onto a sheet of paper and seeing it physically and connecting with it and all of that stuff. Yeah. That's why a journal is cool. Yeah. So, okay, I have a couple more things to ask you. Cool. And then I'll let you go. I mean, we're in my own home. I'm doing great. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, I do. Then I also want to touch on um, your your Instagram story from from World Mental Health Day. Yes. Um, what message were you trying to get across that day, and why did you feel like it was important to tell people? So, I'm trying to remember what I said. Um, it probably was word vomit, but. <laughs> I think that day in particular, I just felt compelled to speak um, because I've always hated the taboo of talking about mental health, right? And like, obviously, you know about that because we know that you feel very passionate about speaking openly and authentically about mental health, whether it's positive or negative. But I think for a long time, and still to a degree, there's existed a taboo about talking about how we're feeling, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I, again, like to create a space and be a space and hold a space where people feel like they can talk about those things. Um, And also, like, we know this, but I think we forget it, that social media is oftentimes a golden reel Mm -hmm. and like even watching my stories it's like wow she's doing a lot she's traveling she's going to shows she's working out at evolve all the time like she must be great Mm -hmm. and like that's not necessarily true so just reminding people that there's always stuff behind the curtain you know and don't then take it upon yourself and get down on yourself because you think oh maybe i'm the only one suffering or maybe i'm the only one you know going through whatever it is right now. And so I think my message really was to just say like, first of all, it's okay to struggle. Mm -hmm. 
because we all struggle, whether it looks like it or not. We all do. Um, and then two, it's okay to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what spurred the message is because someone told me, I don't remember, someone told me that I was posting about mental health and journaling and struggling because I was trying to get pity. Mm -hmm. And that's what spurred me saying it because I was like, oh shit, like if other people don't talk about it because they're afraid that it won't be received well, the space won't be held for them, then they might just, you know, turn in on themselves and truly isolate themselves and suffer alone. Now, someone saying that to me didn't bother me. Again, I have the fighter mentality. So I'm just like, you can't break me, dude. Like, that's not going to make me feel bad about myself. And also, I know my truth. Like, I'm not looking for pity. Right. I have a story to share, right? Right. And so, yeah. So then, like, it, if you are struggling, it's okay to talk about it. There are people who want to hear it and who want to support you and, you know, want you to feel better and, and want to show up for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what was the other one? There was like another one I was going to say, um, Oh, just that you're not alone, you know? Yeah. And I think that's said a lot, but that people don't really know that in those times, but it's like, truly you're not alone. Right. And so just to sit there and to be able to level with someone and to be like, yeah, I've struggled too. Like I get that. Like that empathy is so important for people in those times. And that's, that's sort of gentleness and sensitivity. So that was kind of my goal with the message is just reminding people we all suffer. It's okay. If you are, it's okay to talk about it and you're not alone. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's on your shirt? Oh, yes. Okay. Shameless plug. If so. you're not uh, watching via YouTube and you're just listening, her shirt says all good in quotation marks. Yes. So on the front, it says all good. And on the back, it says a lot of things like anxiety and you have to smile and whatever. So basically, um, this is a brand called XXV, the label. Very cool brand. They do a lot with another designer called Sad Boy that works with men's mental health specifically. Another cool brand, but the concept behind the shirt, right, is like that notion of fake it till you make it mm -hmm. and like that you have to be fine and you have to be good all the time isn't true. And again, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to struggle and it's okay to be open about that and to be vulnerable about that and to admit that um is kind of the concept behind the shirt it's i didn't even like realize that this is the one i chose to wear today so that is hilarious perfect shirt perfect shirt yeah um i wore this when i taught a dance class too because it's like the same that that is something that's taught a lot in the dance and cheer and gymnastics space is like fake it till you make it like smile you're fine and it's like so often we're not fine. And because we feel like we're forced to be fine, we might not even know we're not okay. A lot of times we're not really checking in with ourselves. Mm -hmm. So just the concept of you don't have to be all good. It's okay to not be good, you right. know? Yeah. Beautiful. Yes. <laughs> all right, last question. Okay. To wrap this up. But before I ask you the final question, because I don't like to end on this part. Okay. Where where can people uh, find you if they want to learn more, they want to ask you more questions, <laughs> they want to encourage you to start your own podcast. <laughs> so oh if her friends God. are listening to this episode right now, 
send her a message, text, an email, a letter to tell her and encourage her and support her in starting her own oh, podcast. Oh, man. Anyways, after that, that's where, good. where can people uh, follow you, find you, and encourage you to that's, start your own podcast? That's good. Yeah, I am on, I guess, Instagram predominantly. Mm -hmm. My Instagram is at Bisu Brook. It's French. It means kisses, Brook, like how you would sign off a letter. Mm. Funny enough, like XOXO yeah. kind of, but Bisu. So um, that's B I S O U S, Brook, which is B R O O K E. And I'm this, I'm pretty sure I have the same name on TikTok, but my TikTok is like no church in the wild out there. It's entertaining and it's funny. And I probably should, well, I do talk about mental health on there a lot now that I'm thinking about it. Look at me go. I really do. I was like, wait, I do. But then a lot of it is also like humor and just Humor's funny. great. Yeah. We love humor. Yeah. So yeah. whether you're uh, listening on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube, you can scroll down into the show notes, click the link there. It will be right there. So here's the final question. Here we go. Wimbra. If you, Brooke, could create a billboard mm. and millions of people would see that billboard every single day, mm -hmm. what would you put on it? <clears throat> This is one of those questions that I wish I would have prepped beforehand because I feel like you're going to walk out the door and I'm going to be like, damn it. Like I should have said something else. So I don't know how like convicted I'll feel about my answer. Okay. Okay. So what am I putting on it? Meaning like, it's just a message I want people to see. It's just a message. Loud and fucking clear because like, it's on a billboard. For example, mine would be, you are loved. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can put, it can be a sentence. It can be a phrase. It can be a word. But you want millions of people to see this every day. Yeah. I think it would be you bring about what you think about. Which speaks for itself. Yeah. Yeah. You bring about what you think about. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yep. That's also now the title of this episode. <laughs> yes. Well, I feel like that means we need to like get more into that. <laughs> I mean, I think we talked about that the whole okay, time. Okay, good. I, I think I blacked out from nerves, so how'd I do? <laughs> Amazing, yeah. We were chatting for like an hour and 15 minutes. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. Do you have any last-minute comments, questions, concerns, anecdotes, funny stories? Ooh. Last-minute messages? Um... Things you want to talk about still? Well, we didn't acknowledge that there are other guests in the house. We have Juno and Zuri here. We mm -hmm. can welcome them to the podcast. Your, do your doggos? <laughs> My large dogs. Um, no, I don't really think they're... Um, actually, I would like to give a book recommendation. Yes. Yeah. Let's Please. do that. Okay. No, this is perfect because it ties right in with you bring about what you think about. Okay. It's called The DNA Field and the Law of Resonance. Okay. And this is by Pierre Franck, I think is how you say his last name. Could totally be butchering that. Um, but yeah, it's all about the law of resonance and how, how our literal DNA, our thoughts very literally impact our surroundings and our experiences. Mm. So very cool book. It's pretty scientific. If that's not your vibe, I'd be happy to send notes to whoever wants them. Um, but yeah, that's my book recommendation. Great. Yes. All right. Those books will also be linked in the show notes so you can purchase them wherever. Great. Thank that's all you. you got? I think so. Amazing. This was fun. Wonderful. Thanks for joining me. <laughs> Thank you. Can't, uh, maybe we'll do a round two. That'd be awesome. Or 
hang out outside of having yeah. a conversation. We're friends a now. Yeah. yeah, you literally walked my door. I was like, we're best friends. <laughs> Amazing. No, this is really great. I'm, Good. Thanks for, thanks for accepting my offer. Thanks for having a conversation with me. Of course. I appreciate it. Thanks everyone for listening, watching wherever. If you're a brand new listener, this is like your first episode because you love Brooke. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed, um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give us a review on Spotify or Apple. But most importantly, most importantly, please, please take good care of yourselves and others. And I'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye.